So uh, today we're continuing our road to Christmas. Uh, and I like this one, what we're talking about today, because today is a normal guy. What we've been doing and what we're going to continue to do uh, until Christmas Eve is look at people in the Old Testament, which was the part of the Bible before Jesus came into the world, that through whom God told the story of Christmas. He gave kind of a trailer, an idea of what it's going to look like in the future. And last week, we looked at a guy named Abraham who had incredible faith, who put his life in a place that, that most of us, we won't go there because in our mind, we hear his story. And there are numerous points along the way where we say like, nope, check, please. I'm out of here. But with Abraham, there were things about him that God did through him that are shocking and amazing and an amazing testimony to faith. Today, we're looking at a normal guy. We're looking at a person who struggles with doubt, a person who comes from a family that's in a really difficult situation, a person who's got an anger issue, a person who very easily feels overwhelmed, a person who around him has tons of complainers all the time. Like for a lot of us, this feels like, like this is me, this is us. And through this person, God begins to unwind and unpack what it's going to look like for him to come into the world. I like this because this is, this is us. Like this is someone we can identify with. When Jesus moves into the world, Jesus is going to live, act, show love, speak to people, give to people, all these things the exact same way that God would. And none of us are ever going to live up to that standard. So how about you give me a guy who, who creates such a huge disaster in his life that he has to flee his hometown for 40 years before he can come back. Like that's the type of brokenness that we can relate to that we're like, hey, I'm not that bad. So let's hear about this guy and how God demonstrates good things through him. So we are going to start in the book of Exodus. We're going to start in chapter two, uh, and we're going to walk through the book of Exodus, kind of picking some spots in Moses's life and looking at how those relate to things that Jesus did and the way that Jesus came into the world. Because the road to Christmas doesn't just start when Jesus is born. It starts when God creates the world and God begins to unpack this plan about how he's going to lead people into relationship with him. And Moses is the best preview for that. The road to Christmas was previewed through Moses. After Jesus came, died, rose again, went up to heaven, there's somebody who wrote this comparing the two of them. He said, Moses was certainly faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths that God would reveal later. That's two big words. It's, it's, Moses is an illustration. He's an idea. He's going to be like an appetizer. He's a teaser of what God is going to do later. And there's a lot of similarities between Moses and Jesus that give us a picture of, of what Jesus did and how big it was and how much it accomplished. And the first thing we see with that is that Moses was a God-planned birth. Moses's life began with a God-planned birth. Like every single birth is planned by God. Every child that is, exists at conception, God sees, God has a name, God has a plan for that baby even before it comes out. But some of them just stick out more than others, all right? So what we talked about last week was a guy named Abraham. Abraham moved into this place where God said, this is where I want you to live. Fast forward a few hundred years and that place where God told him to live, uh, a famine hits, all of a sudden his whole like great grandkids and stuff, they have no, they have no food. So one of them goes to to Egypt. He gets sent there. It's not a good plan, but God works it to absolute perfection. And through him being in Egypt, the rest of his extended family makes its way to Egypt. And hundreds of years after God told Abraham, every family on earth is going to be blessed through you. God begins to unravel this and to show people, Hey, this is exactly what I'm talking about. And so while this guy, Abraham's extended family was in Egypt, 
They do what all families do. Like they grow, they continue to have kids. And this group of foreigners that move into Egypt because there's food in Egypt begins to grow more and more uh, in percentage. And so there are just, there are a lot of Israelites living in Egypt, which was Abraham's people, uh, compared to the amount of, of Egyptians living in Egypt. And so what happens is the leader of Egypt begins to get concerned. He's like, soon these people are going to overrun us. We're not going to have any say anymore because these people who have come in are going to ruin everything for us. And so he comes up with a horrible idea. And that idea is to kill every Israelite boy who's born. And all of a sudden, God's plan that through your family, every single family on earth is going to be blessed. That family has a death sentence on it. And God, because this is a God-planned birth, because this is God's strategy from the beginning, because this is God's plan, and because God says this is exactly what's going to happen, God moves in some really unexpected ways. This family that's supposed to be wiped off the planet by this king's decision about how he's going to do things gets saved by midwives, gets saved by the women who are there helping the moms give birth. That they just start making up excuses about why the Israelite boys can't die. The women, they just have the boys too quickly. We can't get there in time to kill the sons. And so this small group of people continues to grow and grow and grow. Why? Because God has a plan for it. And eventually you get to Moses. Moses is born and in Exodus it tells us he's born. And when his mom decided that she couldn't keep him hidden any longer, like I've always had loud kids, so maybe that couldn't keep him hidden any longer. It was like day one or day two because crying is loud. Uh, His mom puts him in a boat and sends him down to the river because somebody on the other side of the river is going to catch him. And so somebody who catches Moses on the other side of the river happens to be the king's daughter. And so she takes him home to dad and says, dad, I want to raise his son as my own. And Moses' sister sees what's happening. And she runs over to the king's daughter. She's like, hey, there's a Hebrew midwife right over here who happens to be Moses' mom, who can feed him, who can nurse him and help him grow up and be strong and all this stuff. And right away, God's plan about putting a life together in only the way that he could do it falls in perfectly. And that's how Moses comes into the world. When God plans for things to happen, when God says this is how it's going to be, the question of how isn't really an issue. It's a step of faith. It's the type of thing where God tells Abraham seven years ago, through your family, every family on earth is going to be blessed. And then a death warrant comes out for his whole, like for everything that's following him. In our eyes, this looks like a really bad plan. This looks like it's not going to happen. But with God's in the mix, everything changes. And so we see that perfectly with Jesus. Jesus comes into the world to to a virgin who's engaged to be married, but has not had sex yet. And so how is a baby going to happen in this? Well, because God's involved. And so an angel shows up and he says to Mary, Jesus' mom, says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Once again, it's a God-planned birth because the road continues to us. The road from Christmas that starts with Moses with a boy who's not supposed to live past infancy is all of a sudden growing up in the king's house because God put the right people at the right place at the right time. He's rolling this out again. He takes a a young girl who's engaged to be married and said, through you, I'm going to bring life into the world. Through you, Jesus, who's God with skin on, is going to enter into human history, is going to enter into humanity. And he's going to do it through a miracle. So my first question for you today is, what's the miracle you need today? Where's the point in your life where this is not supposed to happen? Whatever your this is, where do you need God to move? Where do you need God's provision so the business stays open? Where do you need God's provision so at this time, this Christmas, maybe the relationship is going to be better? 
Where do you need God's provision for kids to come back, for parents to come back, for things that are broken to be put back together, for the marriage that's hanging on to be restored and to come back to life? We see in Christmas a birth that could not have happened apart from God's doing. But God is behind it. God is the one who makes everything happen as a preview to us of how big he is, how loving he is, how knowledgeable he is, and how he has an ability to give to us better than we deserve, better than we expect. What we think could never, ever happen. God's like, that's completely my plan. So the first thing we see is a God-planned birth. The second thing is a God-decided destiny. So Moses grows up as a Hebrew living in the Egyptian court. He's a Hebrew living as the son of a king. And one day he sees one of his countrymen, one of his Israelite brothers being mistreated. And so he goes and he kills the Egyptian. And word starts to get out that this is what happened, that this is who Moses is. And so Moses runs away. He's like, I can't go back there. There's no way that I can go back to these people. And so one day God shows up to him, to a man who's living in fear, to a man who has run away from his home. God shows up and the media team is going to throw a verse on the screen. It says this. He says, look, the cry of my people, Israel, these people who there's a death warrant on them. They're being worked as slaves right now. The cry of my people, Israel, has reached me and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh and you must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. He's saying, I've got a plan for you. You think your destiny is done. You think your life is done. You think that you've been running away from everything because of a mess that you caused and now you can't go back to anything ever again. And God says, no, that's not how it is with me. Because God's plan was bigger than Moses' progress. God's plan was bigger than what looks like a wasted life, right? This kid was spared. There's no way he was supposed to live. He's sent in a basket down a river. Luckily, the right person catches him. What's he do is he makes a huge mistake and now he has to leave town. Like we would look at that and say that Moses is a waste. God says, no, I've got bigger plans. I've got bigger ideas for how this is going to work. God illustrates this in Moses and then he perfects it in Jesus. Jesus never had anything to run from. But bigger than the call that God put on Moses' life, God had a call for Jesus' life. One day Jesus is walking through uh, where he lives and there's a guy named John the Baptist who sees Jesus and this is what he says. He says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's two men with two destinies. Moses thought that he had messed up everything possible. He ran away from town. There's no way that Moses can save his people if he's not living among them. But the thing is, is that God takes away sin. God takes away the separation between us and them that we cause because of our sin. And Jesus does that. Jesus is the way that it happens like that. When, when you look at the life of Moses and the Israelites who are living in sin, we see that God has work that he always wants to do. God is in the business of saving souls. God is in the business of bringing freedom to people. God has big work to do and he's looking for people who are going to say yes to it. So for us, I mean, the first Moses question was, okay, where's the miracle? Where's the baby that's not supposed to live? Where's the thing that's not supposed to happen that God's going to make happen? Where's the miracle? The second question for us, the second way that this becomes real in our lives today is what's the destiny that we're running away from? 
What's the place where we step into Moses' Yeshua, there's disaster behind us, and then we run away from that because we think that running away is gonna solve the problems. What's God calling us back to? Like God had a plan and identity for Moses that him messing up was not going to uproot because God's plan is stronger. God's roots go deeper into us. And so what's the destiny that we're running away from? God wants to restore that today. God wants to speak truth to you today about who he created you to be and remind you of the fact that you can never sin and never mess up so much that you're gonna ruin God's plans for you. That can't happen. Because we all have a God-decided destiny. And this, this happens because something God did for us that we could never do for ourselves. And that is our God-accomplished freedom. So God sends Moses back to Egypt. He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. This is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to say. And through Moses, through the person who's being willing to say, okay, I'll go, God. I messed up. I've got all these limitations. I've got all these fears. I've got all these doubts. But yes, God, I will go. God begins to, to slowly unravel everything that Egypt depended on. Everything that Egypt looked to for worship and for provision and for everything that they held dear for their freedom. And God takes this slave people, Moses' people, and he walks them out of their slavery into freedom. It's a physical freedom, right? It's not just spiritual. They don't just stay as slaves, but their sins are forgiven. They walk out of their captivity. They walk out of everything that held them in bondage. They physically do that, but it was done through everything but physical means. It was spiritual freedom. It was God's ability to bring healing into their lives. Israel had nothing and God did absolutely everything. And the final thing that God did that sprung Israel, that freed Israel was the Passover. This is the last plague where God began to, where God started to roll back all, this, all their freedom, all their security, all their worship. And the final thing that God said was that the angel of death was gonna come over the Egyptians and every house that didn't have blood smeared over the doorway, the, the, old, the firstborn son was gonna die. He says this in Exodus 12, 23. He says, but Moses told the people, oh, it's not on there. Just kidding. <laughs> it's on my notes, not on their notes. He says, the Lord will pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and to strike you down. He says, you're free. That's the point where you're free because it's the, blood of, it's the blood of the lamb that saves us. Jesus came into the world to say, I am the lamb of God, that my blood brings freedom. And that's what happened in the Exodus. That's what happened with Moses. And that's what sprung God's people. That's what freed God's people. Decades after Jesus came, thousands of years after Moses, a guy named Paul, he writes this, He says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so we could be made right with God through Jesus. It's a picture of what God did in the Passover, that God took what was broken, God took what, what was enslaved and God brought freedom to it. And that's the same for you and me today. The question again is, is what's the slavery? Okay, so the first question is, where's the miracle? 
Where do we need God's power in our lives? The second question is what's the destiny about you and me that we're running from? Third question is what's the slavery that we're living in that God wants to free us, that Jesus wants to free us, that Jesus can free us because it's his blood that pays for our sins. It's his perfection that pays for our unperfection, our imperfection, so we can have a relationship with Jesus. And so that's what happens. Death moves into Egypt. And they ask the Israelites, because of all the disaster that's come to him, they say, just go, get out of here, leave, go. That's a picture of our freedom. Jesus comes into our life. Our sin is forgiven. Our lives are new. Everything's changed. But if you've been a Christian for longer than a day, you know that doesn't always stay that way. The feeling of forgiveness, the feeling of new life isn't something that's there permanent. It's something that we need to come back to. And God has an answer for that. God has hope for us in this. So the same Pharaoh who told the Egyptians, or told the Israelites, you got to go, you got to leave, get out of here. We don't want you anymore. He changes his mind. And all of a sudden the slave masters that they had just run from, just like you and me, you know, like we, we have a good day. We find God coming into our life, bringing freedom. Our addictions stop, our bad habits stop. We stop saying those things, going to those websites, all that stuff, it stops. And then after a while it starts to come back. And we feel the pressure, we feel the temptation, we feel the burden again, chasing us. That thing that we just ran from is now chasing us again. And so Pharaoh decides, I want, my, I want my slaves back. I want these people who worked for me back. I want their old life back. I don't want them living in freedom. I want them back. And so he sends his army to chase after Moses and the Israelites. And where it's headed is they're, they're headed toward an ocean. They've got captivity behind them. They've got an army chasing them. And the people begin to complain to Moses. The person who just led them into freedom, the person who just walked them out of their slavery. And they say, weren't there enough graves in Egypt for us to die there? Why are you going to take us out in the wilderness? So we have to die here. And Moses says this. This one is on the screen. It starts out like this. As Pharaoh approached the people of Israel, they looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And then Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. And so God tells Moses, I want you to turn to the sea. I want you to lift up your hand. And when you lift up your hand, I'm going to part the water. And so Moses lifts up his hand over the sea. God does a miracle. God does something that you and I can't do. This is the hope for us because as we're going to, through life, trying to not be the people we were, trying to be the people God created us to be, to live in the freedom that God has for us, we can't do it on our own. But we can bring in participation and we can bring in obedience. And we can bring in the faith that God is going to do more through us than we could on our own. And so we're gonna do what he tells us to so that he can do what we can never do. God, Moses looks at the sea, he raises his hand, the sea parts, his people walk through it. And they walk across an ocean on dry ground with the army behind them chasing them, with their captivity chasing them, with their old life chasing them, with their slavery chasing them. They all walk through and then Moses lifts his hand over the sea again. And what used to be dry ground is now flooded with water. And every single Egyptian who is chasing the Israelites dies. 
That's the message of freedom today. That's the message of hope today. That as every Egyptian in that story, every slave master in that story died, our past dies too with Jesus. We don't have to live in slavery anymore. We don't have to live in shame anymore. We don't have to live in brokenness anymore. We can live in freedom through Jesus because of what he has done for us. It's a picture in Moses because the people still lived in the wilderness for 40 years, but for God, there can be freedom today. There can be freedom for us to step back into our destiny who God created you to be, gifts and callings that God puts on your life. Those things aren't done because you're not dead. We can ask God to bring forth the miracles and pray for the miracles, things that we want to see happen around our lives this year because just as God miraculously brings Moses into the world, God's not done with that yet. He's not powerless to do that again for us. And then the last issue is about our own slavery, man about the things, about the habits, about the stuff in our lives that we are being held down by. And Jesus came into the world to bring us freedom from that. The road to Christmas, it begins in the garden. It's, it's illustrated and, and teased out through Moses and then it's accomplished perfectly in Jesus, our savior, our king, who lays down his life so we can have freedom. Christmas is gonna be great. No, it's gonna look different for all of us this year. But for all of us, we're celebrating Jesus' birth. We're celebrating God coming into the world. And we're remembering it around the fact that God uses brokenness. God uses people with the past. God uses people who are against insurmountable opposition to do the miraculous. And he wants to continue to do that for us today. He wants to remind us of who he created us to be. The men, the women, the sons, the daughters, the husbands, the wives, the moms, the dads. That whatever brokenness and damage we could bring in that causes us to run away in fear just like Moses does, God can restore that. And he can lead us out of our slavery into the freedom that he has for us because he loves us, because he forgives sin, because he gives new life. And that's our hope for today. Let's stand and pray.